millions of people, myself included, delved into this universe and saw themselves, saw a place to actually be accepted. It just feels like a betrayal of the worst kind to see not only a contradiction to these wonderful stories, but what is quite literally a front, front um, well, how I perceive it anyway, just a front to fund a movement of hate. Hello and welcome to the podcast, another episode of Clearly Overthinking. I'm your host, Adam Harper, and today I'm introducing my dear friend Jenna, and we're going to be talking about a few nerdy things in the worlds of Marvel, Star Wars, and Harry Potter. We're going to be talking about when we first started to explore these universes and see who, who some of our favorite characters are and why it means so much to us and how it's become an integral part of our lives and some controversies that are mixed in with these universes. All that coming up soon. I hope you all are excited for this. I know I am. Let's get started. Well, welcome Jenna to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am just so excited because I've been looking forward to recording this with you. And um, just to briefly introduce yourself, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Uh, Well, I am Jenna. Um, I was born and raised in North Texas, spent several years in my past life um, in New York City working as a fashion designer and came back home. Now I work with my bestie, my work bestie at BML Y&R as an experienced designer Let's see, I am a former band nerd and always fangirl. I am a Slytherin, an airbender, a pink ranger, a mutant, an elf of Rivendell. I'm all the things. And I'm just stoked that I get to be on this episode of your podcast where I can just talk about all the things that I love. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I freaking love that so much. I think uh, out of all those things, I was like, oh, she's like naming off all these different universes and all these different pe- like groups or tribes or, you know, categories of, mm-hmm. of people and such. Um, I, th- I think I took the Harry Potter test online and um, I think I'm Ravenclaw last I remember. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what nation I would be, though, in the Avatar The Last Airbender nation. You said you were Airbender? Yeah, I'm definitely Airbender. <laughs> I I think I'm I would probably be Water Nation, like That's Water cool. Tribe, because I feel Go like with I the rel- flow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I relate to Katara's character a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, um, inspiration. Exactly. And as you mentioned, yes, we uh, initially met at work, but we've since connected on so many levels of nerd and fandom and such, and so mm-hmm. I'm. So excited to be able to discuss these three universes with you. And yeah, um, yeah I'm excited. Let's go ahead and get into it. So okay. with, um, Marvel specifically, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you like this first question. And I want to hear <laughs> your initial thoughts on like, when did you first start exploring the Marvel universe? Right. Well, I think, you know, it just started after school, you know, the animated series of Spider-Man and X-Men. So I just watched those every day after school. And then, you know, there was the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and X-Men movies, um, you know, with Hugh Jackman and 
And then Iron Man like entered the fold and it was just like continuous. It's always just been there. But I didn't really explore further, but I was always like one of the first ones to see the movies. Like when I was a kid, I was just always excited to go to see those superhero movies. Just loved them. And the X-Men. Oh my God. So much fun. (laughs) I feel like I initially started watching a few of the first few movies when they first came out. I remember specifically watching like the uh toby mcguire spider-man when i was in i think middle school or high school or something like that in middle school specifically i read more so the comic books specifically the spider-man comic books uh yeah I i was really drawn to it honestly it was fun to explore that specific world and i remember my uh librarian at the time she would always be so sweet in letting me check out more than I was like technically allowed to because I think there was like a limit on how many books you could check out from the library at a time so that way they you know people was this the public library uh it was our school library so you had comics in the school library yeah I mean no way oh my gosh if we had those I probably would have read the comics but I was never a comic reader oh really oh my gosh she I think recognized that and saw that I was like really interested in this one section and I will like take credit for being the person who was helping to expand that uh collection of comic books because she was like ordering new comics for me to read so I appreciate her and I appreciate just like the dynamic of being able to to do that I'm curious then, uh, as we explore these three universes and have just like these similar questions for each, um, why has, like, what important role has Marvel played in your life? Well, it's just all consuming right now, isn't it? There's just, there's no lack of content, which help helps someone like me who, when I become with a, obsessed with a franchise, I just want to dive head in and get immersed and inspired like I I will watch something over and over and over again because it's like the only form of content that I can get at that time and it's just such a wonderful distraction that is actually just really so important to us millennials like (laughs) me as a generation it's very important to to get distracted these days I feel you on that and yeah. kind of branching off that word of, you know, uh, maybe like a distraction from the world around us. Like I felt captivated by the stories and the mm-hmm. the characters specifically. I always felt really partial towards Marvel over, let's say, DC Comics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that might be some controversy. <laughs> potentially oh, no. Others, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just felt, yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just always felt more relatable to Marvel and the content that they were providing. For me, as as you said, it's kind of like a distraction, kind of an escape, um, kind of a way to fantasize about like the what if possibilities of, you know, our own universe and such. I think that's what for me drew me in a little bit more is I think with like DC comics, a lot of the cities and places and locations are from what I understand pretty fictitious like they're based off of I guess real world 
areas like even in the movies like they filmed most of the like batman films in big cities and such but mm-hmm. with marvel I, I appreciate that it is very relatable because they're actually like in the city of new york or they're mm-hmm. exploring you know other places that we are familiar with um even though they're expanding right. out more into the galaxy and such but um right yeah it's i, I just feel like it's more important to me now because it is like more relatable to a day-to-day life even though it's like kind of a, yeah, as you mentioned like an escape too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and no shade to DC at all, because if we're going to get technical, I think what got me into the superhero genre in general was Batman. Definitely Batman. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I watched... Can I curse on this? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I watched the shit out of the animated series um, and also the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman movies. Like, uh I, I grew up with that. That was, they were so perfect for, to me. So if anything got it started, it was Batman. It was DC for me. I definitely do like, uh, just branching a bit off on DC. Um, mm-hmm. Superman is, I think he's my favorite. Green Lantern too. Uh, you know, I, I like the characters and I love the comic books. Um, I will say that like the cinematic universe, I struggle with some time with, but um, I think mm-hmm. that's why I... <laughs> Picked Marvel more so than DC, but no, no, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no uh, shade or anything uh, to any DC lovers out there. Uh, I, I do see all the movies. I do, you know, enjoy the characters and such. Um, yeah. I just love Marvel more. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the MCU, um, Kevin Feige, uh, did a better job of executing these movies and the TV series, you know, more so than from the dc side unfortunately but well um, i think that's a great segue into uh, a point of controversy um yeah. specifically within <laughs> this universe but the point that i want to make that i feel like is kind of controversial that I, well, at least is a point to discuss and whether or not we agree or not on this or if there's other people who do or not from what i've read there's a lot of like comic book purists in mm. the Marvel world who aren't happy with what's happening in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and would yep. prefer to see things being more portrayed more accurately to the comic books on screen. In my opinion, I feel like this is the classic tale of the book is always better than the movies oftentimes. Yes, absolutely. And... I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> and I, I just feel like I'm just grateful to be seeing these characters on screen regardless which is also kind of how I feel about like the DC world in a way but I'm curious to know like what your thoughts are on that I totally agree I think that um I I totally get it right like I've read a book or a book series and tried to see their interpretation on screen and been disappointed right it's it's a really difficult thing to do um and only few instances have been able to achieve it but the issue is is that people get so they feel such loyalty to the comics and I guess like what needs to be done is like looking at the MCU in and of itself as as just inspired by the comics like like it does take storylines it switches around the characters a lot of things are a little bit different and confusing and you know not tried and true but I think that's what they're trying to do they're trying to cater to a new audience people like me and they're trying to cater to the true fans the the comic book you know enthusiasts where 
they're not just giving you the same content, but in a different medium, but they're actually just trying to make something new out of the amazing stories that came out of the comics. Mm -hmm. I very much agree with you on that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's, I feel like it's important to appreciate that fact that it is something new based on, I mean, that's why they say in the very beginning of all the credits, like this is based on, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I do appreciate that they are trying to bring in as much as they can and be inspired as much as they can be and to buy the comics and such, but yeah. Right. Because like, as, as a person who's never read the comics, there are Easter eggs apparent in every single, you know, movie animated series and, you know, TV show that's on Disney plus that's um, that I will never catch on to. But that's like a little nod to the the comic book fandom that um, keeps them engaged and says, like, we see you too. Don't worry, we see you. I'm seeing a lot of people online who are claiming that the MCU is becoming too woke <laughs> and <sighs> that it's losing its vision or path, its audience as it explores more of the multiverse. And my thoughts on this is, are, you know, while... I do agree that it's getting more and more intricate with the storytelling. I am kind of like here for the ride and support all their attempts in diversity and to branch off of the diverse aspect of it. Granted, this is like Hollywood that we're talking about. And there are still elements (laughs) that I feel like are being censored in a way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. one example of that is with like the Eternals with the on-screen kiss between uh i think it was, they were both gay i believe so uh, with a okay. gay couple you know i believe disney kept that in the film and they were a uh, disney and marvel kept it in the film and so that made it so it couldn't be shown in certain countries where homosexuality is outlawed and such so i will take those you know wins whether however right. major or minor they might be um but there are still issues with them trying to be diverse in a way like in their advertising specifically let's say for whether it's marvel or any other production like star wars or such like that i just remember them kind of adjusting their marketing campaigns to highlight Mm -hmm. certain characters over others in different markets specifically like markets overseas where you know it's more accepted to look and and appear a certain way so anyway all that is to say um I appreciate the efforts that they are trying to make diverse in the diverse realm of trying to include and show more people in all aspects mm-hmm. of life. But I don't know. I'm this one's hard for me too because I feel like my opinion yeah. about it is still kind of fluctuating. But like, do you get where I'm coming from? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think I did hear that about oh, Marvel's becoming too woke. And usually when I see that, I just I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I brush it off. And honestly, like that's one of the things that is really getting me excited for this new, I guess you would call it a new generation of um, Avengers is that they are so diverse and they're, they are becoming more inclusive. Like, you know, Miss Marvel, the, the Eternals, Shang-Chi, Namor, Ironheart, you know, um, you know, even she-hulk where it was very very feminist it was surprising because it was more so feminist than i thought it would be 
and I just I love it. I, I, it's really exciting to see. I wanted to see more. It makes it makes like the whole universe itself, the world building, more like richer, more deep, more fascinating. And I, it, it's real. You know, that's life. I I would just want to see more. I completely agree with you. And I'm glad that like my ramble <laughs> made sense in that way. Cause yeah, I feel like you perfectly summarized how I feel about that as well. Cause it's exciting to see the worlds that we love reflect the, the positive sides of our own world and to embrace mm-hmm. that more and to, to channel that more. Like the first several movies of, um, you know, Marvel were great, but in terms of you know diversity and inclusivity uh, you know like it it's lacking i mean they're great but i'm really excited to see what they make of this this new um generation of avengers moving along in the uh marvel universe what or who um is a favorite character of yours and Perhaps, like, are there any life lessons that you've learned from this character, or what have you kind of applied in your own life because of this character? So, I'm a tried and true Spider Man fan. Uh, I think seeing Peter Parker as this shy, geeky kid and suddenly, you know, thrust into the role of a superhero, I'm, I'm, I just love it. He's, he, he doesn't really change either. He may have like some wayward moments but deep down he's still that humble shy but sassy kid um and like you know who didn't watch or read that and think that there's hope for the rest of us you know definitely and what's so funny is that Maya also is spider-man as well i would have to say a, a very 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 close second is uh wanda um Oh my God, me too. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say more recently, the Scarlet Witch, like, oh, she's so badass and I just love her. I cannot agree more. Um, And what's interesting is just the dynamic between both of these characters, because as you said, like Mm Spider-Man, you know, a a big reason why he's one of my favorite characters. And also from what I understand, he's also Stan Lee's favorite character that he ever like drew slash created and such. Um, It's just the the story arc of of his character and how relatable he is how it's kind of like the underdog and you know we're always Mm -hmm. we always love a good underdog story and I think everybody can kind of see a little bit of themselves in him in some way and I also feel that way about Wanda where it's a similar and maybe like you know they both have tragedy in their life Mm -hmm. learning to not only embrace whatever power they're given but then also like how do they continue to move forward in life it's interesting because if you think about it the dynamic between the two spider-man's very much you know portrayed as the the hero and mm-hmm. Wanda's kind of like an anti-hero in a way at least from what i've seen like she's trying to figure out her her way in the most recent uh multimedia in mcu but in the comic book she's definitely like you know kind of a yeah. touch and go kind of un- unknown like- diametrically opposed path paths I don't know if that's the right phrase but yeah they definitely took the tragedy in their lives and went separate ways like just did separate things but granted Wanda was influenced by the dark hold it wasn't her fault <laughs> true I, I, you're, you're referring to like in the MCU specifically yeah I don't know any um any of her other media 
from what I've seen in the comic books, um, it's interesting how they translated her being like a nexus being into mm -hmm. the MCU because I don't know, it's just her journey within that has just been one that I've been fascinated by um, and especially how they've translated it. Obviously, I'm much more familiar, like the comic books that I've read are more so like the Spider-Man threads and such with some interlinking between the Avengers and their in interactions with all the other characters and such. But yeah, I I need to brush up a little bit more on her specific engagements with like the Dark Hole and such. I know that like from the mm -hmm. that I've seen about her um, involvement with mutants and such, it's been mm -hmm. it's just been fascinating to see the facets of her character and her growth and like what led her to make certain decisions based on her own experiences and such but again mm -hmm. it's that, that relatability of you know something tragic happens to you how do you pick up and go from there like what path what right. decision, what choice do you make and it's interesting as you know as we've said already about spider-man and and wanda kind of seeing where they both took their own experience and such I think I almost we could say probably about any character but those are the two that really stick out at least to, to me and it sounds like we're in agreement on that <laughs> yeah absolutely and I mean at least with the MCU storyline she um it was all with good intentions she just wanted to be with her family again I mean who can't relate to that so right, right. With multimedia, I'm going to say that I've seen everything in the MCU and it's really yeah. hard for me to pick what a favorite has been, but out of the ones that I've seen so far and in currently of recording this, uh, I love WandaVision, the show. and So much. <laughs> it's so good. So um, good. And I love Avengers Endgame as like one of the main mm. like that one I still get, you know, mm -hmm. I watch the ending and such, but I, I wanted to say the first that like WandaVision is like the number one pick for me me at the moment, but I'm really excited for what's coming down the pipeline. But I'm curious to know what are what's uh some of your favorite multimedia? Well, I think their TV series, they're they're really landing strong. Like I was a little bit skeptical at first, but then I saw WandaVision and I was just like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And it's great because you you actually get more from a series than rather than like a two to three hour film. It just makes sense. It should feel like it should always have been this way, but it wouldn't have had that big of an impact if it wasn't, you know, a blockbuster film. So I definitely don't want those to go away. I need those too. <laughs> but yeah, definitely WandaVision. I really also like Loki. Yeah, probably I would say it's a toss up between Endgame and Infinity War. Mm -hmm. Those two movies. Or uh, no, no, I changed my mind. It's uh, Captain America Civil War. Really? Okay. Yeah, because okay. <laughs> it was the first glimpse into Peter Parker. And I love him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was, definitely. I love that movie. I definitely see that because that was like his first introduction, right? I believe in, mm -hmm. in yeah, MCU. In MCU. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, to wrap up with Marvel, what specific uh, future content are you the most excited for right now? We're filming, we're not filming, we're recording this <laughs> in <laughs> March, early March, right now. What are you excited for coming down the pipeline? I want to see more Kang. I'm re-watching Loki right now, just so I can see what is like 
what the one or two episodes at the end where you get um he who remains i just want to see him again i i'm so perplexed by um his character where he comes from because he is very charismatic and he draws you in but there's something dark within there and i don't know what it is and because i don't read the comic books i i I, I, I don't want to be spoiled by it, but I'm like, I need I need more content. Come on. <laughs> I very much uh hear you on that just because having having seen the um Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania, it is interesting to see uh again, no spoilers here for anybody listening, but um it's interesting to see how things are tied together and all the little Easter eggs that they're pulling with that. So I mm-hmm. might I might watch re- rewatch Loki as well just because um it is such an amazing show. And I am excited to see what they do with Kang. As mm-hmm. far as specifically announced uh content that I'm excited about, I'm super hyped for the new Daredevil series and yeah. um, also for the new Fantastic Four film. So my hope mm-hmm. is with Fantastic Four, I loved that okay if if anybody here has seen Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, like, you know, <laughs> it's been out for a while, at least almost a year now, I think, a, a year in May or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. John Krasinski plays uh, Mr. Fantastic, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that it was more like fan service that he was there because he just looks the part really well. Um, but that he's like not going to be in the new movie. And I'm like, okay, come on, please, like, just let him be <gasps> in the new movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because him and his wife um, would be absolutely amazing. Emily Blunt. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They would be so good. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited for Daredevil specifically because I love that they're bringing back the original Netflix character to play him. I loved like the Jessica Jones uh, series. Um, so much, yeah. Oh, so good. So I'm just like, I'm excited. It's like a 22 <laughs> episode series, which I'm hoping that it's a good run, that it's not just very drawn out as a lot of television sometimes can mm-hmm. be. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. Oh, so good. There's so much content to look forward to. That's why I love this universe. <laughs> I'm so excited for this next section, Star Wars, just because I absolutely love Star Wars so much. And when did you first, like, experience Star Wars? I couldn't really tell you, like, a specific time. Just, it was always there, always present in my life. My older brother had a couple of pop-up books from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that I would just always play with. I always love pretending to be Princess Leia, run out around in a white dress with earmuffs and a pretend blaster. But I didn't really start to explore Star Wars until The Phantom Menace came out. And unpopular opinion, I know those prequels were an obsession of mine. Really? Yeah, I know. I know. I like Jar Jar Binks aside, like, you know, <laughs> I just loved that it was, it very much felt um, linear, like a very parallel experience to the original um, trilogy, except that it was bigger because they were, they were expanding into the universe before the empire was a thing. And then you saw Coruscant and what, how the democracy was handled from all the planets and all the beings and I just yeah I loved seeing that expanse and then seeing more action because it was in a time where you could 
you know, achieved more with CGI. Oh my God, the costumes. Queen Amidala with those headdresses and those garbs. Like, oh my God, I was, I, I wanted to be a costume designer when I was really young. And that movie like uh, blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I remember um, you sharing with me that you had like experience in the fashion industry and just how important that is to you. And I love how that was a source of inspiration. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Her outfits were just immaculately designed. I really so appreciate Exactly. I appreciate the level of detail and just time and effort that they really put into not only her outfits but all the other like mm -hmm. creating a universe takes mm -hmm. so much and I think a huge aspect of it is the continuity between how people appear and their dress and their um how it relates to like whatever planet they're from their culture and everything mm -hmm. and that's not easy if you've got like multiple cultures multiple planets mm -hmm. along that same note uh when I first started to explore Star Wars I like my family had always been a huge fan of the original trilogy and mm -hmm. um we even had them on like giant laser discs like giant DVDs oh essentially God. so I remember watching <laughs> those where I had to like flip the laser disc midway through the film I remember vaguely going to see Phantom Menace in theaters but my family was not super into the new three films like the one two yeah. and three um yeah. but I was still kind of fascinated by it because I love mm -hmm. the I love the movie Attack of the Clones and uh I think it's Revenge of the Sith is after that mm -hmm. and that time period between those two always fascinated me and to give some context like you know I've seen all of the major like trilogies and such and all the other subsequent movies and tv shows during the pandemic mm -hmm. and so it was kind of nice to now have a kind of like a full experience within all of like the cinematic and film and such but I think why it's so important to me um and why it strikes like a certain chord is just uh, and I'll probably go into this a little bit further down the road. It's just the the balance of good and evil. I remember I think there was an mm -hmm. interview with I think it was George Lucas. I don't I don't remember. I want to have to find this somewhere, but I remember hearing somewhere that George Lucas was telling either the writers or producers or somebody who was just like kind of like carrying the torch. Um, I don't know if it was um, who's currently producing a lot of the content now. I think it's um, Filoni. I think. Dave Filoni, I think. I think I might be butchering the name. Um, I know John Favreau is also being very involved, yeah. in it, but um, George Lucas was saying like, there's always a, a struggle between good and evil um, mm -hmm. and finding where there's that balance of like letting good win, letting evil win, letting good win again. And kind of like that back and forth, you'll always have a great story because there's always going to be that struggle within the world and I think that's just like in a way I, I approach life these days is that there will like we can never fully expunge out evil and good will never go away either it's just like one maybe in more balance than the other at certain points in time but um right yeah you can't have one without the other right exactly exactly yeah <laughs> no it's definitely true and um yeah I just love how the genre mashup that Lucas envisioned. So it's like old time Western meets future interplanetary galaxy filled with variety of life forms and the Jedi are, you know, inspired by samurai. I'm like, it's so creative. And just building everything on top of that, you really do have 
a master in storytelling that people can really get inspired by. And like, that's just the whole point of this, right? Like um, we as consumers, you know, look at these universes and just our creative minds, like find inspiration from them and just like, okay, I'm going to write a short story about this, or I'm going to, I'm going to start, you know, building my own comics from this, or I'm going to, you know, do a whole Star Wars inspired wardrobe and, or, you know, there's like a lot of creativity that comes from it. And I love like all the fan inspired stuff too. And, and this is probably not, you know, old, anything, you know, outlandish, but in my head, the sequel trilogy is not canon. I, I, I liked the force awakens. That was, you know, nice to see new material, but the whole premise of, the chosen one and just taking that and throwing it out the window because the empire never went away. Mm. I, I mean, and now they have a planet sized death star and I'm like, I don't really understand why they couldn't have done anything else. You know, like instead of the empire, maybe there was an unknown larger threat from another galaxy. You know, maybe they have a different version of, the force and harness their power differently than the Jedi and the Sith, you know, maybe just something to expand on the universe that already exists instead of, you know, just telling the same story, the same threat, the same antagonist, but different generation, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That coincides with a a point I wanted to make is that you're you're so right. Like, I feel like we're stuck (laughs) in the Skywalker (laughs) saga, essentially. Uh As much Over as it. Been, yeah, as much as I've enjoyed, you know, m- most of the content for sure. I really wish they would kind of move on from yeah. like this. I wish they would move to maybe like the old Republic or something entirely different, and just like you could still have Jedi, you could still have Sith, but just like, I mean, the online video game. Um, I think it's called the Old Republic. Fallen Order. Oh yeah, or, or I think so. Um. Oh, or the, there's another one, right? Or a few. There's I'm a not few. A gamer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it's not even taking place. Like, some of these games don't even take place during you know anywhere close to when the Skywalkers were alive or anything mm. like that. So I just wish it's like there's so much content there, and I just feel like we're exactly what you're saying. You know, we're kind of stuck retelling these similar stories, or at least within this specific timeline. I feel like we are on Tatooine way too much, and yeah. so many of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> or Tatooine like planets right yeah I'm just I yeah. always have to bring like a bottle of water anytime I watch something yeah why <laughs> Why are there so many desert planets and how do people survive on them besides you know relying on moisture farmers <laughs> <laughs> called, they, 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 they got a budget they clearly got a budget yeah. that they got to work with and they're like let's go to the nearest <laughs> desert and we'll call it good but yeah um, <laughs> I wanted to mention how kind of similar with Marvel there's like a sense of irritability within star wars and the quote-unquote wokeness of their experience and kind of like a renewed focus on specifically powerful women in um heroine roles and such specifically like ahsoka how from what i've seen and from what i've heard other people say as well that she was really like the first powerful well-known jedi um while there were like others within the order and such like having like their own show essentially which then like it grew into a larger fandom um while Padme also was kind of like a powerful woman in her own right seeing the differences between the two how Padme was very much like 
a leader in politics and mm -hmm. diplomacy and such whereas Ahsoka is very much more on like the, the front of the action essentially and mm -hmm. I don't know it was interesting to see again just how people were kind of not as quick to embrace powerful women in this universe but I feel like over time they've grown into it in a way but I'm curious to know your thoughts on that oh, I'm so tired of it I'm so tired of this you know this patriarchy I mean like you're going to talk about snowflakes like and getting a little miffed about um seeing a woman kick ass or lead an entire planet then you've got bigger problems my friends I like I, I don't understand. I, I love seeing that. I mean, it's such an inspiration to me. And I, I, I was only going to, almost going to say that Padme was my favorite character from the Star Wars saga because she was a strong leader, but she also knew how to fight and she knew when to stand up for the right thing. I mean, she mm -hmm. did like her her little story arc with Anakin like uh, <laughs> like I have a hard time with because she she looked at this like broken little boy and thought I can fix him and that's just such an overdone antiquated trope but um I did I love I was so inspired by her and I'm I did watch a little bit of Clone Wars and I do know a little bit about Ahsoka we saw some of what she did in Mandalorian and I am really excited to see her series like really excited so I I don't know what the problem is with these people that are just so fragile they can't they can't deal with strong women does not make sense it just does not compute to me and I honestly like I if I was face to face with um one of those people I would be curious enough to like have a conversation with them about it but um probably wouldn't end well because <laughs> I don't know I have a low tolerance for um intolerable people <laughs> girl same <laughs> <laughs> To kind of go along with what you're saying about like why she was such an inspiration to you, um, Padme specifically, and um, as one of your favorite characters, I would say that a couple of mine, if I, if I can pick two, <laughs> um, <laughs> would probably be Anakin and Obi-Wan because of their mm -hmm. dynamic between them. I love how Obi-Wan just has this like sense of professionalism that, yeah. you know, he's very charismatic but he's also humorous, but he's also, I don't know, kind of like all the things. Um, and Anakin, I feel like is in that same way, but more so free spirited and kind of bends the rules to get the job done essentially. And I don't know, it's just the dynamic between the two of them. Um, I really, as I mentioned before, I grew to love the period between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So I watched the, all the shows of Attack uh, or the Clone Wars. I watched the movie mm -hmm. when it first came out in theaters back in like what mid two thousands or something like that, late two thousands. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really glad that they kicked it off into a spinoff series. And then that just has defined so much of that period. And then that has then also birthed another series, The Bad Batch, which I've been enjoying. I I like the first season more than I'm liking the second season, but I still like it regardless. But um have you watched The Bad Batch? No, it's on my list. I <sighs> wanna I wanna finish uh Clone Wars first because I've heard amazing things. I kind of like drifted away from it 
but yeah, I need to go back. <laughs> I definitely recommend the Clone Wars. I will say that the first maybe two to three seasons, I would say maybe first two seasons, it's very kid friendly, but then as it gets into right, it, it yeah. gets a little darker, a little bit more like serious and such. And then uh, I definitely do recommend watching it before you watch Bad Batch because Bad Batch okay. takes place like right after essentially, um, or like near the end of Revenge of the Sith. So it's like when... Mm. Anakin has become Darth Vader and like mm -hmm. the transitional period kind of the transitional period that we're in right now with a lot of Star Wars content what specifically then outside of characters like do you have a specific favorite show or favorite movie or if it's like a favorite trilogy but I would say maybe more specifically favorite show or movie I I mean it's got to be at least the first six movies as a whole I mean you can't get any better than you know the preface of a long time ago and then you know da, 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 you know that only really happens you only really get those like uh goosebumps when you're in the movie theater and watching it it just hits you like a ton of bricks so it's definitely the movies but now that i've gotten my ps5 i am going to get the fallen order game because i i just really want to be a jedi <laughs> wait jedi fallen order wait that's with um Cal Kestis, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't really, I don't know his name. It is Cal. I don't know what the rest of it, but it's played by um, oh Monahan. What's his name? The one from Shameless. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you've never played it? No, I've never played it. Well, you're <laughs> in for a trip. Oh, I just <laughs> finished it for the second time, and it oh is so good. Like, I'm dying to get. I mean, this is gonna. This is a preview into what future content I'm excited for about it. But I'm so excited for the new. Uh, I think it's Jedi Survivor, the um, yeah sequel to the game. But I'm so mad because I don't have a console that can play it, and so I need to like <laughs> upgrade my console to potentially play it. But like, it is so good. The first game is so so good, and I just, I might even just replay it again just because it's so fun to replay. But with favorite shows, I mean, I mentioned um, Clone Wars being a favorite mm -hmm. for sure. I want to say Obi-Wan though, most recently, if that's like uh, most recent yeah. content. I feel like that was a lot of great fan service there. And I feel like that filled in a lot of holes. I, I It might've made a couple whole, like plot holes potentially from what I've like seen and people digging into it. But um, mm -hmm. I really liked how it filled kind of a gap that we hadn't seen quite yet, especially when Vader was just fresh and so full of rage mm -hmm. and just their engagement with each other. Like that last scene, oh, so good. I'm curious what, uh, as I mentioned to some future content that I'm excited about, um, what are you excited about with Star Wars coming down the line? So we talked about Ahsoka. Um, I am waiting a little bit before I start The Mandalorian, but I'm really excited about that. Always loved it. Um, and I am looking forward to convincing you to plan a trip with me to the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> Oh my gosh, in Florida. Oh yeah. my gosh, I want to go so bad. Okay, but the rooms are like so expensive. So expensive, but listen, it's worth it because we're we're like part of the experience. We're we're on a, you know, there's like actually... actors involved. They're not just like, you know, hotel staff. It's actors and, you know, they're all playing a part. And you're immersed into the Star Wars universe. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. I am actually like really so down to do that. I will say 
it might be a next year thing because I'm working oh, to, yeah. to go on a cruise this, by the end of this year yeah. and so but I, I really want to go and I think there's like rooms where either there's like I don't know you can even have up to four people so if we want to get like a group mm. together too that would be kind of fun but it might get yeah. crowded but <laughs> Lastly, we are going to explore uh, the world of Harry Potter, the wizarding world. I know this is Jenna's, like, she's super excited about this section. I will go ahead and share off the bat that I was never allowed to watch Harry Potter growing up as a kid because religiously speaking, magic and wizards and everything was not really permitted or like accepted even tolerated um so my first time watching all of the movies um I actually still haven't read the books I need to read the books but <laughs> my roommates found out that I hadn't seen the movies and they short of duct taping me to the couch <laughs> um <laughs> we watched a whole marathon not like in one day but like a week worth we watched every movie and I feel like I really I really enjoyed them honestly I do I, I think if I had grown up with them more it, I would have probably you know built a stronger connection like I have with like Marvel and Star Wars and such how, how old would you say you were when you you did that marathon with your friends oh um it was this was like 2016 oh my gosh okay yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm curious, like, when did you first get into the wizarding world? So, um, I'd seen the first movie, um, because I was working at a movie theater. It was my very first job. And, um, I could, you know, take a break and like sneak into one of the theaters and just, you know, sit there for a little bit and watch them. But yeah, I thought it was cute. Um, but I wasn't really interested. And but my grandmother, really close with her, she loved the books she loved the movies and one year for my birthday she bought me the third book in the series uh prisoner of azkaban and i was like i haven't even read the first two and she was like that's okay when you're finished just can i borrow it because i haven't read it yet and i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday to me <laughs> but um <laughs> No, we were really close and um, we always went to the movies together. And um, so she she even wrote like a little inscription, you know, happy birthday inside the book. So I read the first two books and then I read that one. And by, you know, by then I was I was so hooked. I kept, just kept reading and reading. And by that time, I think Order of the Phoenix had just came out. I'm not sure. But um, so I only got to there and then I just, you know, kept anticipating when the next book would come out or anticipating when the next movie would come out. And um, by the time I got to New York, like it was my first week in New York. And um, if I needed a bigger sign of, you know, being somewhere and feeling like, oh, I belong here. The Deathly Hollows book was just released. And you could not walk down the street, go into the subway, go on a bus. You you could not go through the city at all without seeing at least five people holding that book in their hand or like reading it on the way to go wherever they were going. Like it was so popular. And I was like, oh, these are my people. <laughs> and um, yeah, I I found a friend that we would always 
go see the movies together. And we even went down to Universal Studios in Florida just to go to Harry Potter, um, Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley there. And it's always been really important to me because not just because it's a fun escape, but it's one of the few worlds that I get to share with or I got to share with my grandmother and then today now with, you know, friends who feel similarly about it. So it holds a lot of meaning for me because of that. I love that so much. And I love that she <laughs> even inscribed like a note to you in, in one of the books. And that's yeah. so special when you have that, like something that you can share, like a world or, a, you know, any sort of fantasy or magical experience or, I, I love the dynamic that it's something that you both loved and something yeah. that sounds like she introduced you to in a way because mm-hmm. your first experience was that first book right like you hadn't yeah. seen any of the movies prior to that okay yeah so oh well no 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 I, I watched the first movie and you know it's it's kid friendly so I was just kind of like yeah it's fine I was a teenager I was like no, it's not for me but um, my grandmother kept pushing me into it. And it's because of her that it it's made such an impact with me. I think mean, that is so sweet. That really, that makes me <laughs> happy to hear because I love when things bring people together. I love that yeah. it's something that you'll always cherish because of that. There is some controversy around this specific universe. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really saddened by this as well just because of the things that I've seen online and how it's impacted people who love this universe the unfortunate opinions of the author I say unfortunate because while this podcast (laughs) embraces diverse perspectives and such I I don't embrace perspectives of blanketed comments and criticisms Mm -hmm. of like a community without actually like getting to know someone and like who they are and why they are the way that they are kind of a thing so mm-hmm. I, I'm really disheartened and saddened by that, those comments, but I'm curious to know, like, how has, like, what, what has your take been on the whole situation? How has it impacted your perspective of this universe? Oh, I feel like I went through all the stages of grief. I'm still in a few stages of grief right now. Um, I, I couldn't believe it at first because I, I, I didn't understand that a person who could create a universe where outcasts could find a place to call home and you know where a place where justice swings in the direction of social morality and where change is possible not only in the hearts and minds of the characters in the universe but in literal physical appearance like millions of people myself included delved into this universe and saw themselves saw a place to actually be accepted it just feels like a betrayal of the worst kind to see not only a contradiction to these wonderful stories, but what is quite literally a front, well, how I perceive it anyway, just a front to fund a movement of hate. And honestly, like, I just, I'm in the bargaining stage of grief right now. I just, um, I want to let the universe go. I want to boycott all of she who shall not be named, you know, anything related to her, especially after this slow and inevitable demise of the Fantastic Beast series. 
even today, I'm still looking for every excuse to keep it in my life. Like I just bought Hogwarts Legacy for many reasons, but I, I, you know, I keep trying to reason that, you know, if I spend $30 on this new illustrated edition, then maybe it'll be okay if I just donate $60 to Trans Lifeline. But, you know, I can't keep making excuses for it. I, I, it's just ignoring the heart of the issue. I feel like there's a lot of fans who've managed to detach themselves from her and from the Wizarding World, but they should, the fan base is so big and so powerful, you know, like uh, the Taylor Swifties, you know, we could just take it away from her and just say, you know, no, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the fans now. I don't know, but the royalties will always, you know, fund her hateful agenda. And I, I'm struggling with it. <laughs> really am. Thank you for being so vulnerable in your sharing of your perspective and your opinion on that, because it is so hard when there's something that you love so much that you've grown up with, that you've cherished, that is a binding topic and connection between you and so many other people that you love and care about. And to all of a sudden, I guess, what what's the phrase when legends like it's like don't meet your heroes. Or, don't meet your heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, when we realize that the people we think that are legends are, you know, just human too and full of fallacies or something. I, I don't know. There's, a, there's another phrase out there about something about <laughs> heroes and legends and such too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that is so hard to find the balance and to, it's such a gray area, a gray space because, you know, is there a line of acceptance um that people like will make their own choices and decisions and opinions and to what extent do we then consume their content that either supports them or you know do we disavow them entirely and you know like picking between it almost feels like picking between like lesser of two evils sometimes and um what is our conscious most comfortable with at the end of the day like where's the line that we draw for ourselves what where's the standard that we accept at the end of the day and that's hard (laughs) that's so hard right and it's it's still something that brings me joy and I guess it's really hard to break away from you know something something like that I I guess there will come I hope this doesn't happen but maybe there will come a time where it the balance is shifted and I no longer find joy in the universe because of something horrible she's done. And I really hope that doesn't happen, you know, mostly for the community that it will impact. But um, I, you know, I just, for for now, it's, um, I feel like I'm trying to make every excuse to say, no, not yet, just a little bit longer. How does it make you feel like when you heard the news that um, she was firmly on the side of um, anti-trans, you know, movement. What were your thoughts? Um, I think the first question I asked was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where is this coming from? I think, I don't know if it was you and I that had talked about this, or maybe it was somebody else that I had spoken to about this, but oftentimes when people have such a huge issue with either like a community or a specific group of people they've often 
like had a bad experience that has led them to feel some type of way. Did, did we talk about that? I think we. It was yeah, I think we. I think we did at yeah. work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am curious, like why, and if there was something in you know her past that is causing her to have this opinion. And that's the thing is like I want to know. Like I want I, if I could ask. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I haven't delved too much into interviews if they've done interviews with her since her opinion came out and such. But I, I've seen like her comments on Twitter and everything like that. But I just really want to know why. I feel like there's a reason and I don't feel like we've been given it because I feel like it's very shadowy. Like, you know, I don't think yeah. there I don't think we're ever gonna really know the reason why. Um right. She's not very forthcoming with it either. It's just like, these are my opinions and you're just going to have to deal with them. And I feel like she she's definitely choosing not to deal with whatever pain she's holding on to. You know, if, if, there, if there was something that happened, some like terrible event that happened and, and happened to involve um, a trans person, then you can't begin to heal by just bottling it up and waging war you you, like even if we did know what spurred this perspective of hers I don't know if there's anything we could do to help her it wouldn't certainly wouldn't make an excuse for what she's doing Mm -hmm. but yeah maybe it would help for her to begin the healing process help for somebody to um, help bridge you know the gap between you know whatever misunderstanding she has it it breaks my heart you know her 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 story was inspired by the holocaust and there there are some side stories some histories some you know things that were mentioned in the series that are a little you know difficult to understand but for the most part her story was one of overcoming evil of accepting people and you know leading with your heart and that's just that's not what she's doing (laughs) i don't know why it doesn't make sense i'm glad though it sounds like those that that like the ethos of what you were just sharing of overcoming evil and finding courage and to being able to work through difficult situations and finding like the light, like either within ourselves or within the community. I'm glad that Mm -hmm. that's at least been translated well, in my opinion, at least into the books and into, even though like I I still need to read the books, but from the opinions I've heard from others about the books and from the movies that I have seen and the content that I have seen, I feel like it's been transferred into those fairly well to have built such a strong community. I'm grateful for that because um, I, I genuinely enjoy the characters and I genuinely enjoy the diversity amongst the characters and what mm-hmm. they bring to the story and such. A little bit of diversity. <laughs> there could have been more. <laughs> I, I would say probably like, yeah, more so like uh, in what we think about diversity and when you first hear the word diversity and such, um, mm-hmm. I would say like the uh, the characteristics of the individuals mm. like the the nerdy like mm-hmm. orphan boy the you know no like the, the quote-unquote know-it-all girl who like you mm-hmm. know is trying to achieve but then like we actually realize she's striving to be included in an, an environment where it's frowned upon to be so 
knowledgeable in Excel at things, you know, you're just expected to like yeah. sit down and behave kind of a thing or the more kind of maybe runt of the litter. Uh, and at least just thinking about the first <laughs> like three characters and such. Um, I appreciate the diverse stories that they bring. Um, yeah. To the yeah. main children characters or like the first. Yeah. Character. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I know you've been super hyped about this game and I remember you texting me and be like, I just figured out how to fly or like, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm curious, like, what is, has it lived up to your expectation or your excitement as future content that's now available? <laughs> oh yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, I got nothing done the weekend that I learned to fly, FYI. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a game that, the fans have been wanting to exist for the past like over 20 years like oh my gosh yeah we've been wanting an open world you know concept of the wizarding world that we could just explore on our own like i think you would want that with anything any kind of universe right like you just want to live in it right mm -hmm. so so this game it was it was designed by fans and you can tell that there was love poured into the game. There's so many details and Easter eggs that it's it's overwhelming. And it's just so well done. I mean, I'm not a gamer, so I can't really compare it to most other things. I think, um, I think a lot of people have been comparing it to um, what's the other kind of like magic um, game where you're you're dealing with runes and you wield magic and it's open world as well our open world rpg runescape no i played that i think i think that's what it's called back in the day i played that in like middle school but what's the other one <laughs> i don't know a lot a lot of people compare it to this other game oh but, um, uh world of warcraft no a less popular game Anyway, <laughs> uh, I could, I, I will never figure it out. Um, and then I'll figure it out as soon as we get off this call. But <laughs> yeah, so you've got Hogwarts and Hogsmeade, but then an even bigger world stretched out miles in all directions outside of that. So, you know, the Forbidden Forest, Black Lake, you can wander, you can fly, swim, you can attend class, or you can skip class and catch magical beasts or you can explore and develop your skills in dark magic like all I ever wanted <laughs> oh my gosh I'm wonderful. really excited to hear that because I really want to play it um but mm -hmm. I need to get a new console which is funny that you say that you're not a gamer but you have a ps5 and I'm just like I'm over here and I don't even have a console that can play it and I like to play games <laughs> no it's because I am an insane person I bought the ps5 so I could play Hogwarts Legacy <laughs> that's how insane I am <laughs> I think you're like if, if you're like if I'm gonna go in I'm gonna go all in kind of a thing there, <laughs> yeah that's true because I was gonna wait for the switch because I do have a switch but um that won't be until summertime. I mean, I can't wait that long. No. <laughs> um, do you know what other future content is coming out? Because I know that with them wrapping up Fantastic Beasts, I think that was like the last yeah. film. Do you know if there's anything else coming down the line? Because I, I, I'm not very uh, aware <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. So um, I think Netflix was planning a TV series um, inspired by the book. So inspired by or not inspired, but, you know, following the Harry Potter books more in close detail. 
but I'm not sure that is still in the running anymore. I know there is talks in general about um, about Harry Potter and a TV series. Yeah, Fantastic Beasts is out the window. I'm kind of really not interested in seeing any more TV or movie media right now. I just don't think they've they've been declining for a while now, and um, I feel like um, she who shall not be named will try to be a part of whatever next comes along and ruin it again. Yeah, I'm just, I'm less interested in that. I'm more interested right now about game updates. Um, These Mina Lima um, illustrated editions. So Mina Lima is um, the company that um, did all the graphic design for the movies. So they started doing illustrated editions of the books. And the first two books are out right now. Third one's coming in October. They're they're so beautiful they're like there's some like gold leaf and the illustrations are all just so cute and kind of retro like um you know like golden book illustrations mm-hmm. like that cmyk print oh and my um it, you know every page has some kind of little detail about the uh, like about that part of the story that you're in and then there's pages that kind of like fold out some of them are pop-ups. Some of them are like are interactive. They're just so well done, well made, and they're just so beautiful. They're so cute. I can't help myself. You have to send <laughs> me a link to one of those pages because I really want to see how that looks and how that's going to turn out. Because that sounds oh, wow. amazing. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> I feel like you know from what I'm hearing, like there's points in a universe's life or just in a a content life where it's like do we need more content from this or can it be encapsulated into what like here it is here it will remain for the Mm -hmm. duration of history kind of thing I think that's one thing that um I'm reminded of an interview that was done by I can't remember I think it's like e-news and they're interviewing I think it's Raven Simone and one of the other cheetah girls and this is totally like coming out of left field but like what she had said was or what they were ha- had asked is do they think that ever do like a revival or any continuation or anything more and yeah. that was the sentiment that she gave of you know if they were to do some sort of revival um that it would be something a little bit different something a little bit you know not specifically like bringing them all back and such so and, and that there should be respect for this is like what it was and just like you know box Mm -hmm. it all up and deliver it and keep it that way kind of thing you know thinking about all of these universes that we've talked about today I often wonder you know where do we then say like this is complete versus are we going to keep exploring this further so it kind of sounds like from what I'm hearing the sentiment with the wizarding world of Harry Potter (laughs) and such is like you know, there are certain aspects that you would like to kind of see them explore further, but it sounds like as a whole, it's like, this is complete. And like to be able to, you know, grapple with the complexities of this universe, but also still appreciating like the the meaning that it has behind it for you and such, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Like, honestly, I was hoping that the continuation would happen with Fantastic Beast series because, you know, we got seven books 
six, eight movies of um, following these teenagers around. And that was great. But, you know, we heard so much else is happening outside of Hogwarts. Like, what else is happening? And then we got Newt Scamander. We got to travel to a different country. And we got to see how, you know, the American wizards operate. And, you know, that was cool. But obviously, there's other countries out there. There's other, you know, um, wizarding worlds out there. Like, we were really hoping to just see that expanse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about Fantastic Beasts, but we got a movie about Dumbledore and, you know, it it just, it turned into this, It I don't know, it just kind of took this wayward turn and there was no coming back from it. So if they, if they had like, kept true to okay this is this is these are movies about newt's commander and he's going to be traveling the world visiting all these different kinds of wizards and there's going to be magical beasts like i would love to see more of that but you know it is what it is (laughs) (laughs) jenna i am so glad that i got to have you on this episode and that we got to nerd out together thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and opinions on everything and I just am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. I would love to have you on the show again in the future. Um, Hopefully we can nerd out about any other future follow-ups. I would love to hear as you play the game. I would love to hear like maybe a review of the game or something like that. And then when you get into Jedi. um, Fallen Order. Order. Okay. And then I'm going to get the. I'm going to get the second game too, but your first game I haven't played and it's also on sale. So. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. You know what? I, I might, we went, we might need to do like a game day because if I don't get the new console, I'm definitely going to want to play the new game and, or at least just like watch you play the new game. Cause like, it looks so cool. It looks so cool. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks again for being on the show, Jetta. And if everybody listening, be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell. Episodes will be coming out every other week. And until then, hope you'll have an amazing rest of your day and we'll see you in the next one. Queerly Overthinking is produced by Adam Harper and Cass Cooper. It is edited by Adam Harper with audio mixing by Necessary Outlet Productions. You can follow Queerly Overthinking on Instagram at Queerly Overthinking and find more at www.queerlyoverthinking.com.